0: Welcome to another episode of Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the bear of the sea, the giant Jim Patillo, And I really hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. This guy is, well, he should be, a, he is a legend and he should be a better known legend in my opinion. When I read a book about him, uh, I was just really shocked. I was like, man, I, I haven't heard of this guy. So I hope you folks will be as excited as I am and was about learning about Jim Patillo. And again, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. So the book I'm going off of is The Bear of the Sea, The Giant Jim Patillo and the Roaring Years of the Gloucester Nova Scotia Fishery by Joseph E. Garland. It's a good book. It's good history and just really good stories. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know. You'll see. These are These are really awesome. I uh, first read the book, I, well, I got it from the Louis R. French, uh, which was my neighbor when I was on the Schooner Mary Day. The Louis R. French was the neighboring boat. Uh, those of you who listened to Otis and my interview with him, uh, thats he was on that vessel. And so they had this book, and I was like, oh, what's this? It looks kind of cool, and I started thumbing through it, and then I was like, ooh, I want to read this. So I did, and pretty awesome. And then I actually got to meet, so I, I my wife and I listened to an interview with Robert Oberst, uh, nicknamed Obi. And he is on the show, The Strongest Man in History. And we were at the airport and my wife came by. He's like, go on, it's It's the strongest man in the world. I see. <laughs> it's one of the strongest men in the world. And I was like, what? What? She's like, yeah. I just, I recognize his voice and I think it's that guy. And so I went over and sure enough, it was Robert Oberst. Uh, and we were, I forget which airport we were at, but, but he was like looking at stuff at like this Native American store And I, so I was like, oh my gosh, because I wanted to talk to him and I wanted to tell him about Jim Patillo. But of course, it had been many, many years since I'd read that book. So I forgot Jim's name and I tried to write down some of the information I could remember. I think I ended up saying the sea bear instead of bear of the sea. And the sea bear is like a kid's book about a polar bear. So uh, Ob Robert, if you're listening to this, uh, sorry for that mistake. But yeah, anyway, I got to talk with Robert briefly and was I'm embarrassed to say I was kind of starstruck. I mean, the guy's like six foot eight, 400 pounds. His arms are as thick as my thighs, maybe thicker. And uh, he, he apparently has like the strongest shoulders in America, if not the world. So yeah, I was a little, little bit um, embarrassed to say. I was a little bit intimidated, a little bit starstruck. And I know he wouldn't consider himself a star, but he is. And so I I was just like, ah, <laughs> I wasn't 100% sure what to say. And he was being very friendly and was asking about me. And so I did hand him the note with all the the, the things on Jim Patillo. But then realized, oh, man, that's not enough. Like, I really want to see this episode made for his show, The Strongest Man in History, which was pretty cool. I'd seen a few episodes. Uh, they're really entertaining. These guys are really cool. I mean, they, they I guess they're considered actors, but they're strong men. I mean, these are incredibly powerful, muscular men. And, uh, and so I wanted to see this episode made. So what I do in my fashion, I went out and I bought the book that I had read many years ago and I read it and then I wrote up an episode, uh, like episode summary and then an episode synopsis and like a few other things. But basically I wrote an episode for their program and then sent it to the producers and the agents and whoever I could think of that might uh, read it and be able to, to make that episode. So if you are one of those people that received... The episode, or if you're involved with the show Strongest Man in History, please find in your junk mail find my my thing I sent you about uh, the Bear of the Sea and Jim Patillo because I basically did all the work, and I want zero credit for it. Don't don't need to give me any credit. I just want to see that show made because I think it'd be really cool. All right, enough of that. Enough about me. Yeah, let's move on to Jim. So I'm basically going to share a couple fun facts with you uh, from the book as I was reading it. I think you'll get a decent impression of the fellow. Uh, Please keep in mind, I'm only telling you probably about a third, a quarter of the stories. Like there's a lot of other stories in here and some of them are quite good. I'm just picking out some of the highlights I enjoyed, but uh, trust me, there's a lot more detail in the book. Definitely worth reading. So Jim's first memory was seeing a man get stabbed in the face and killed in a fight. Kind of tells you about the time period uh, he grew up in. So a little bit of background information here, just so folks can kind of picture the setting. Jim was born in 1806, and I believe he grew up in Nova Scotia, in uh, various towns there, Lunenburg, Chester, uh, kind of that area. As mentioned, his first memory was getting uh, was seeing a man get stabbed in the face and killed in a fight. And his dad was a Scotsman, like a proper Scotsman from Scotland, I believe. His dad would have been, I, I'm, I'm calculating just just rereading the book and some of the notes I believe the dad was born around 1740 or so so he is literally just one generation removed from 1745 and Battle Cologne and the Highland fights like this is a very rugged uh, tough kind of gruff your stereotypical Scotsman basically this is that kind of person that was Jim's father so Jim's only one really one generation two generations removed from direct Highland times so this is from my notes on the book. Uh, Jim's morning chores at age 11. Turn out a bed before dawn. Light the fire in the kitchen stove. Make his breakfast. Harness the horse. Go into the woods five miles. Cut down trees. Trim them into stove lengths. And haul the load back to the woodshed. Yeah. So if you complain about making your bed or cleaning something. Uh, <laughs> like, oh man. Tough times. Uh, tough family, obviously. Uh, and he, he'd he do that in the middle of winter, too. He accidentally killed the family horse in an outburst of anger. That was one of his things when he was a little kid. Uh, his father got him into competition. So this is when he's a little bit older, when he's a teenager. His father got him into a competition with some dock workers offloading fish. At age 14, he was put up against Adam Hebb, who was six foot three and 275 pounds. They held a barrow. Of fish. Now, a, bar- a barrow is kind of like... It, my understanding of it is it's like a long, wide, uh, shallow box kind of thing. It's, it's basically like a, a cart that two people can carry fish. And when there was enough, they carried it 30 feet up the wharf store. And from there, there was a three-inch step into the store. He, Jim, tipped up the barrow so the fish fell on- onto Adam's side and Adam dropped the barrow. The fish all weighed 700 pounds. So they weighed them... After the fact, and these two guys, and young Jim at age 14 was carrying half the 700 pound weight that distance. At age 14 and a half, Jim was the owner and master of his first vessel. Uh, there's a great story as well where Jim apparently takes these 200-pound fish barrels and he lifts them up by the rim out of the hold on his deck on his ship. There's also a description of him maneuvering two full barrels onto his back, and then he steps from the ship's rail to the dock and down the wharf while carrying these two barrels, each of which weighs 200 pounds. So pretty, pretty incredible feats of strength. Um, there's another, another little story where Jim gets beaten up by 14 sailors. He then challenges them to a fight, uh, you know, challenges them to fight him one or two at a time, and then he beats them all. Then he goes to a tavern and then gets called out by the constables. He beats them up and then a crowd in a fight. Then he heads back to his boat and when he sobers up, turns himself in the next day. So there's another great story where there's a thief on the ship and stole something and Jim's trying to figure out who did it by having them draw straws. The longest straw is the person who stole the money. Well, actually, the thief had the shortest straw because he snapped it. And all the straws had actually been the same size. Jim called him out and the thief confessed to stealing it. So not only is Jim like a very strong person, not only is a very aggressive person, uh, but he also is obviously very shrewd and very good at figuring people out. So that was just one, one good story about that. Oh, here we go. His ship is frozen in Canada while illegally fishing. So I don't know if you're getting an impression or not. I hope you are. Like this is kind of it was a crazy time. This is a crazy guy, and pretty wild stories. Um, yet I was also surprised how much. I mean, you could tell there was also a lot of regulation coming into play, and a lot of people, a lot of constables, and you, you know, Jim Jim's getting in trouble with the law. Yeah, pretty crazy. Anyway, here we go. This is a great story. His ship is frozen in Canada while illegally fishing. He builds barricades on the rails of his boat to help to fi- uh, to fight off the authorities. Jim stands up to 30 men. He's bare-chested, so they're they're like iced in the water here. They are they are trapped. They cannot leave the harbor because they got iced in while illegally fishing. Uh, so picture this. So these guys come across the ice. Jim is bare-chested, holding a three-foot-long hand spike. Uh, Jim's papers are taken. Jim goes and gets his papers back. He smacks the constable. The local crowd cheers him on because they hated the constable. <laughs> so uh, I'm just giving you a summary of the story. It's pretty awesome pretty pretty cool stuff all right here we go here's another story Jim while at anchor with other Yankee vessels a British officer came by in a rowboat to get jim but Jim threatened him with one so he had gotten a couple 150 pound rocks and was threatening to throw this rock over and basically sink this constant you know sink this officer's uh, little rowboat um, jim set sail and races past the British cutter that's that's where the British officer came from The cutter fires his 12 pound gun, uh, 12 pounder gun at Jim's ship, hitting it five times before Jim is able to escape to where the cutter can't really hit him. So pretty, pretty wild escape. Obviously any one of those shots could have killed him. Pretty just crazy stuff. Uh, There's another story. This one's really great. Jim calculates the exact hour a vessel on a multi-day journey will arrive and it does so. Yeah. So this is nearly impossible to do during the age of sail. To calculate to the hour when something would arrive is very, very difficult to do. Now, could it have been coincidence? Of course. Could it have been just a lucky guess? Yeah, absolutely. But, but still, you know, it's a, it's a great feat. Just one of many stories. And a lot of people, I mean, it's very hard for us to imagine in this day and age when things are calculated down to the minute, even the second sometimes. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine a world where it's like, ah, the ship will arrive, you know, maybe sometime between this day and that day maybe this sometime this season we'll get this ship come in. It's really, it's just hard for us to imagine. You know, it really wasn't until you had steam engines that you could actually have schedules where it's like, okay, at this hour, this thing's going to show up. You know, this train will be here. This ship will arrive. So yeah, it wasn't really until the the steam age, the steam engines that you had actual schedules in the way we think of it in, in modern times. And his wife went insane and was put in an insane asylum. That's an interesting little fact. Uh, oh, I love this one. A British officer who was Scottish, so is a a Scot- Scottish-British officer, uh, lets Jim's boat go and doesn't board it for its name the Highland Lass, and he can't take a ship named by that, uh, or with that name. Yeah, so it might seem kind of silly, this British officer, you know, who's Scottish, and he's like, oh, he won't board it because it's called the Highland Lass, and that's kind of cute. But I did recently read a book about the massacre at Glencoe, which was in the the Scottish Highlands, in uh, 16 1692. Luckily I'd read a book about the English Revolution which occurred prior to that in 1688 and 1689. It was good because I was able to get the context of Glencoe and kind of what was happening in the general history at that time. And then fast forward so that massacre occurs and then various other you know Jacobite uprisings that were oh I'm not going to go into Scottish history here too much. Basically 1745 was Culloden which was kind of the final, seventeen forty five, seventeen forty six. Yeah, the Battle of Culloden, which was kind of the last stand of the Highlanders. My layman's understanding of it: from seventeen forty five until about eighteen sixty, had the Highland clearances, where there were whole areas of the Highlands that were cleared out, and uh, of the of the locals, the native Highlanders, and uh, they they were encouraged to to go abroad. So. That was happening, you know, this this event where the British officer who's a Scottish person doesn't want to board the ship, that's in 1853. So it's kind of at the high, you know, towards the high point of these clearances. So very different. I mean, I, yeah, it's a cute story, but also probably for that officer, it was really personal and he'd support any Scotsman. You know, you could see how that would work. Anyway, a little bit of backstory there. Uh, Like all history, it's complex, it's nuanced, there's lots of stuff going on behind the scenes. And I think this story is just one little illustration of that. If you didn't know the history behind Scotland and what was happening for the last 100 or 150 years or so, or more, uh, you wouldn't really understand that reference. So pretty neat, uh, good story. Uh, same boat, but new captain investigates Jim in the bay. Jim is cracking jokes. The official, there a- <laughs> we go. The official asks him how many arms they have. Jim says 27, 13 men and an old French musket. Everyone laughs. Jim-, Jim and his men give the Admiral three cheers as he goes. So not only is Jim super strong, not only is he aggressive and fearless, not only is he smart and able to outwit people, but he's also funny and charismatic and so is able to talk his way out of trouble in that sense. So obviously, like all good leaders, like all people that kind of rise to legend, you can't just be one thing or the other. You have to have multiple skills and traits, and Jim obviously has this. Uh, Jim quits smoking. He gains 21 pounds, so he weighs 265 pounds. Uh, so he takes up smoking again. <laughs> that was kind of funny. It was interesting hearing the weight. you think he would weigh about 400 pounds, but do keep in mind... This is an era, just go back, look at like some some old footage of boxers at the early part of the 20th century and just see how, these are like the heavyweight guys and just see how thin they look. So yeah, if he's weighing around over 240 pounds, that's a big guy for that era. He is massive. Jim's wife dies. Four months later, he marries Christy Campbell, the Highland Lass, question mark. (laughs) Uh, That's his ship's name. Uh, She is at least 20 years younger than him. Jim names another ship after her, but sells it for it is a bad luck boat. I guess a guy died swallowing a match on his boat. I have no idea what's behind that story, but crazy times. Uh, Here's an interesting fact. During the Civil War, Gloucester lost 36 of her men killed in battle and 258 fishermen to the sea. I don't think I need to say any more about that. Jim decides to demolish a tower. At age 62... Remember, 62, back in those days, you are an old man. At age 62, he throws a two-pound fish weight attached to a bit of cod line and throws it over a tower that's 80 feet tall. So that was kind of like one of his last big feats of strength. At age 81, he gets dragged by a horse because he refused to let go and not be stronger than the horse. He was stronger than the horse, but in the end, a few weeks or months later, his injuries from the horse caught up to him and caused him to pass away. And so that's when, that's when Jim died because he wouldn't let go of that horse. So stubborn, stubborn Scots, uh, Canadian-American to the end. So Jim died January 3rd, 1887. <laughs> All right, I do like the way the author kind of put it at the end. So I'll, I'll just read directly from the book. Quote, They said the old man could have saved himself just by letting go of the reins, but he was bound not to admit that his horse was stronger than he, and it wasn't. End quote. Yeah, so I'll leave some pictures uh, that folks can look at of, of uh, Jim. We, we have some pictures of him as an older man, like in his, you know, there's one when he's in his 80s. And you can still tell the guy is a, he's a big guy. Pretty, pretty incredible. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed some of these little stories. Like I said, I'm not doing them justice. These are just kind of summaries. There are many, many other stories in the book. Uh, definitely worth checking out if you get a chance. Really interesting character, this guy. And like I said, if, uh, if you're involved with that program, Strongest Man in History, check that program out. It's really fun, really entertaining. Uh, if, if you're involved with it, please check out the episode I sent out because I'd love to see that come to fruition. I think it'd be very funny. I think it'd be a great way to steer the program. So that's all I got, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed learning about one of these legends of the sea that uh, people don't really know a lot about. I'll try to include some more more characters like this as we go along Uh, feel free to buy my kids book when you get a chance talking about legends the the greatest captain in the world Uh, you can hear you can read about some of the tall tales in there Uh, support us on patreon if you're able to and thank you so much for listening i'm wishing everybody fair winds the following scene